quiet our minds before you. Lord, we have come, we have sung, we have prayed, we've confessed, we've heard scriptures. We ask that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that uh, of the things that, that I speak at this time, anything that is from you, we would remember and apply, and anything that is not of you, we would forget forever. In Jesus' name, amen. The last two weeks, we've been talking about a framework of biblical giving, of what the Bible and therefore, God has to say about money and possessions and things like that. Um, we've talked a little bit about obedience and commitment. And uh, there were four statements that we looked at the first week. And there were four promises that we looked at the second week. And today we're going to take a look at an equivalent number of questions that the scriptures ask us, that the Lord asks us. Uh, the four statements that we talked about two weeks ago, uh, it's important that we just take a quick journey through them to remind ourselves and to recall because it will relate to and apply to what we're talking about today. Um, the first is that we can trust God in everything because everything we have comes from him. Anyways, you know, that's whether it's our gifts and our talents, what we do with our hands, our brains, our mouths, whatever it may be, no matter how we've developed it, it initially came from him. The second statement is that uh, I will take nothing for the Lord which belongs to another and costs me nothing. Okay, this is talking about giving from our excess that we don't really need. Uh, we won't really notice it if it's gone, that sort of thing. Um, third statement, for with the measure you give, it will be given to you. Jesus said that. Uh, and the fourth statement, the amount of the harvest is directly related to the amount sowed. Kind of makes sense, just ask any farmer. You know? <laughs> uh, then the four promises, uh, that God, by his grace, supplies all of our needs, all of the time. That God will multiply and increase what we sow from. That the enrichment of God that we receive in our lives is so that we can be generous. And because of our obedience and generosity, God is glorified and lifted up. God chooses to finance the furthering of his kingdom by the generosity of those that are following him. And so he equips us with what we need to be able to give back. So now we come to some questions that relate to these four statements and four promises. And the first question is found in Psalm 116 and verse 12. If you would like to turn there, I invite you to. Good to get to know our way around our Bibles. <coughs> Psalm 116 and verse 12 says this, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? Simple question. 
What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? Just as in anything with the Lord, you know, he moves first and we respond, right? So when we, we think about when we came to faith in the Lord, it's because the seeds were sown in us. We heard something calling and drawing us and inviting us. And then we respond to the Holy Spirit and step into relationship with God. The same goes for this. We respond to the Lord for his initiation to us. Uh, what shall we return to the Lord for all his benefits to me? It almost reminds us of the hymn, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Right? The, the children's hymn. I guess it's not really a children's hymn, but when I think of it, that's when I learned it was in, um, in Sunday school. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, if God hasn't given anything to us, then we really don't need to give anything to him. Right? I know that sounds kind of scandalous, right? Where's the lightning, right? No. <laughs> but really, if he hasn't given anything to you, then don't give anything to him. It'll be okay with God, you know? <laughs> um we want to count the blessings of God in our lives and return thanks. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? The second question is in 2 Chronicles chapter, excuse me, 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 29 and verse 14. I cheated. I marked these off because I knew where I was going already. So 1 Chronicles 29 and 14. It says, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own have we given you? Does that sound familiar? Have you ever heard that in church on Sunday when whoever's receiving the offering stands here and sometimes says all things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee? That's where it comes from, right? That's the KJV uh, version of that. But that's what it's saying. So, everything comes from you, O Lord, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. I can remember as a kid um, going to a Presbyterian church down in Milford, Connecticut. And um, the pastor down there was a, was a believer and it was a wonderful church to get started in. And, I still remember sitting in the pew over on this side. They were painted white. I was like three years old. And whenever the offering would happen, my mom would dig around in her purse and pull up some change from the bottom, sort the lint out of it, and then hand me the change so that I would be able to put something in the offering plate. Has anybody done that either for you or have you done that for your own kids? Right? Right? It's, it's pretty neat. It allows kids to be able to begin to understand the idea of giving thanks and giving back. And it is the same for us with God. Just as mom dug around in her purse and gave me something to be able to put in the plate, God gives us what we need. And then we return the thanks, giving it the Lord. Nothing has changed. It's the same process. We give what was given to us to give. I didn't pocket the change 
and go buy gum. <laughs> so third question. Uh, this is in Malachi 3.8. Sometimes Malachi is hard to find, but if you, if you go to Matthew and then go left, go back a little bit, it's right there. Uh, you might be able to find it more quickly that way if you're going to flip there. It's Malachi 3 and 8. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delight. You will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So this third question is, will a man rob God? That's kind of an uncomfortable question, isn't it? Right? Um, talking about money and give and and physical earthly possessions and things like that is not my favorite thing as a pastor to talk about. <laughs> Just being honest. But working on these three messages has been actually uplifting and encouraging to me, and I hope it has been for you as well to take a look at what the scriptures have to say about this. Is this is really not a glorified uh, you know, pledge drive. <laughs> This, we talk about obedience and commitment to the Lord in all different aspects of our lives. It's only natural that we would talk about this as well. So will a man rob God? How do we rob God, they say? Well, withholding offerings and tithes. So tithes, historically, were set down in the law of Moses. Okay, as a way of acknowledging that everything comes from God. Uh, they would take 10%, a tenth tithe literally means a tenth of everything that they received, and they would return it to the Lord. Uh, I've spoken with friends of mine, uh, you know, pastors that have gone over to Africa and whatnot, and people are literally bringing 10% of the increase, whether it's grain or something that they grew in their garden, or um, I remember one person talking about chickens. You know, the chickens would be brought, and then they would be distributed to those live flopping chickens, to those in need in the church uh, at that time. So it's kind of an interesting thing, but it's, it's a little foreign to us. But it brings home the idea that, you know, what the Lord blesses us with, whatever it is that he gives us, we're supposed to return thanks in that way. So it's interesting that there's a distinction made between tithes and offerings. And in scripture, the word that is used indicates that tithes are paid and offerings are given. That a tithe is, is really almost the minimum expectation. And then above, you don't even get to offerings until a tithe is there. And so if we want to look back at the law of Moses and, and the Old Testament way of things with that, um, 
you've got tithes that are paid as the minimum standard and then offerings are over and beyond that at that point. So the principle hasn't changed. Uh, it's God's way to finance the work of the kingdom. Um, one pastor that I used to know said it this way, um, you know, if the tenth was in the Old Testament, and we don't really see that talked about in the New Testament, if we're, the tenth was under the law and now we are under grace, does that mean we should give any less under grace? Just a question to consider. Um, another pastor, Terry Fulham, says if God gave us ten times what we give to him, could we live on it? That's a hard question. That one hit me between the eyes when I heard that the first time. It's like, wow, okay. And whatever you believe about tithe and the percentage and all that, that's still a good question to consider. Um, so it's also not the law that a tax collector is going to send out an agent and come get you. You know, we don't have officers in the church that talk to the IRS and see what you make and then they come knock on your door. Uh, it's something that God wants us to give from a joyful place, out of joyful obedience to the Lord. Uh, it's kind of like when, when people get married, uh, they give each other usually rings, and one of the ring vows that they exchange is, I give you this ring as a token of my love, of my commitment, and with all that I, I am and all that I have, I honor you. It's a willful giving one to another. So if we believe that everything we have comes from the Lord, and if we believe that we are not supposed to give that which costs us nothing, and that the manner and measure by which we give is that which we will receive, and if we really believe that God is able at all times and in all ways to take care of us, then it becomes not a drudgery, but a joy to give. I heard a, an interesting statistic, and I checked it out, because I don't like to just flop statistics out there. <laughs> uh, and it does actually check out with some margin of error on either, either side of things here. but uh, And this is just applying to mainline churches, okay? So take everybody in the mainline church in the United States of America and equalize everyone's income and put everybody on welfare, okay? So at the threshold where welfare is, if every person in the mainline churches went on welfare and then tithed on that, the income to the churches in America would be increased 40 times. That's pretty amazing. Like, that's staggering. Um, so this is the only place in the Bible where we are actually called out by Almighty God to put him to the test. It, it, and I'm glad it says, you know, says the Almighty in there. Put me to the test, says the Almighty. He says, test me in this. If you don't believe it, try it. See what happens. He says, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour 
for you a blessing until there is no more need. Until there is no more need. God wants to bless his people. But sometimes he is limited by their lack of faith and unbelief. And before you say, well, nothing limits God, Pastor, go check that again. Because that's what I was thinking when I was praying about this. But then I went back to the scriptures. Do you remember where Jesus um, went to a town and he was unable to perform any great work there? Except he healed a few people, it says. <laughs> which I think is a great work. He was unable to perform any great work amongst them because of their unbelief. So... Our unbelief and lack of faith can cause us to step out of um, sort of the stream of God's blessing and the, the path that he is calling us on, okay? So God wants to bless his people, but he's limited by their lack of faith and unbelief oftentimes in this particular area. So then the fourth and, and final question is First Chronicles 29.5, if you'd like to flip over there. And this is um, a whole list of, of offerings and things like that. 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver, lots and lots of stuff um, that they're talking about giving. And then in verse 5, it says, Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? Offering willingly is tied to the consecration of ourselves to the Lord. It's sort of an all-in or all-out kind of thing. The Lord wants his people to give themselves to him willingly and with joy. Not out of fear, not out of guilt. God doesn't do guilt, that's, that's the other guy. <laughs> not out of coercion not out of manipulation or a sense of, of bad things to come giving for the Lord must come from a place of a content and joyful heart God doesn't want our money he doesn't need our money he wants you. He wants me. He wants all of us with all that we are and with all that we have. We honor you. He wants a committed life. The first step is committing our lives to Jesus Christ. If we have not committed our lives to Jesus Christ, then giving to the church is simply giving to a nonprofit. And it's a good thing to do, and the church will try to use the money as faithfully as possible for the work of the Lord. But it lacks the holiness of the offering at that point. Okay, so he wants us to give out of a committed life as a Christian. It's the call of God. Uh, it's not dues to a club. It's not payment for services on demand. It's not giving out of compulsion. 
It's giving because you are committed to Jesus Christ and believe in the call and mission of the local church. It's giving because we have received so much and we give in other ways. And you know, like the finances and the offering and the tithe part is just one part of being obedient and it's part of the call to commitment to walking out the Christian life. So if the church is filled with people who are committed to Jesus, then we've got everything. And if the church is filled with people who are not committed to Jesus, then we've got nothing. We've, we've got a, a secular club and an organization. We come together, we sit for an hour, we say nice things to each other, we eat food and we go home. You can do that lots of other places besides here on a Sunday morning. But we come together because we are called by God together at this time and in this place and for this purpose. And it's out of obedience that is joyful, not obedience that is grudging, that we offer to the Lord because what we have is from him anyways. Please pray with me. Lord, transform our hearts by the Holy Spirit's truth and life and power. Lord, I confess to you where, for me, sometimes giving has not been a joy. And sometimes I can count the cost and wince. But then I can also look back and see the times that you miraculously provide. Please forgive me for my lack of faith, for my unbelief. Help us to walk forward, Lord, putting one foot in front of the other, trusting that you are able in all times, in all ways, and in all places to supply all of our needs. We pray, God, that whatever giving we do would come from a place of joyful obedience. And, God, that because of that, your name would be glorified and you would be lifted up. And as Christ is lifted, he would draw all people to himself. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.